0: Hello and welcome to Offscreen. This is Offscreen, this is the show where I speak to DMs and DMs who both play actual plays and home games about the differences between their craft. Right now I have with me Eric Morris. Hello. Hello Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Eric is one of the DMs for NPC Incorporated, an actual play collective that runs campaigns, one-shots, offers DM advice, and streams model painting and more. Among the games Eric has ran uh, for NPC Incorporated is Donna Avanzi. It's a no magic D&D two shot in the world of Scott Lynch's Lies of Locke Lamora, which was a beautiful setting choice.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, as soon as my friend and fellow DM on the network, Hobart, uh, reached out to me about doing a no magic campaign, because I've sort of been running a, a magic light system uh, with Hobert in, in a couple home games. I was like, I know exactly the the like setting that I would want to have like a low fantasy kind of vibe. So so much fun to to play with the uh,
0: the the tropes of the Locamora series. Absolutely. What was uh, what was calling to you about doing a no magic setting in the first place? Like when you when you were inspired for it? For the show The network has done, or MC
1: Incorporated has done like a lot of live streams and a lot of them have like very goofy lay-ons or like some very fantastical sort of quirk to them, I guess. And so when Hover reached out to me, it was like, let's take a break from the magic for a little bit. I, I think in general, no magic for me, one of the things that I think it does, especially with fifth edition, kind of strips some of the paradox of choice uh away from the the moment to moment of role playing so like you have fewer options or you have options that are a little bit more sort of streamlined and honed mm-hmm. uh so you don't have to worry about spell slots etc cetera, etc cetera. it's a very practical concern but i also think it's very uncommon currently to do you know no magic stuff and no magic stuff that's not game of thrones you know what
0: i mean like absolutely
1: like, it's I mean, Game of Thrones obviously has magic, but like, sort of grimdark <laughs> stuff is like, the First season Game of Thrones. Right, exactly. I would very much prefer, like, a world with hope as, as opposed to a world without, generally mm-hmm. speaking. But, like, having that sort of political aspect, I think, comes forward a lot more in historical or no no magic or low magic. Settings.
0: Especially like the Lies of Locke Lamora series, really is a little bit more hopeful, uh, even though yeah. there are some very some very heavy themes tackled oh my in God, it, yeah. the books. But there is that element of hope, and I really think that's a, a beautiful way to approach it. I think also the the practical elements that you spoke about, especially in terms of an actual play, is really important because when you're when you're streaming, when you're in it, and you don't remember what spell slots you have, you forgot what spells yeah. you prepared that day, it can really slow down the pacing.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, as one last reason, which is just occurring to me, that, that I really enjoyed, it wasn't intentional at all, but one that I really enjoyed is that, like, I think I think in 5th edition, specifically, like, the magic users get a lot of the screen time. Like, I, I think it's very flashy to have spells, and I think there are some, some of the classes, I mean, fighter, is i feel like very rarely do i give people the option to choose what class they're going to be and they choose fighter just like without hesitating and so it was kind of my chance to go like actually this can be super fun if you you know if you just get a little silly with it absolutely (laughs)
0: and that's the whole thing we're playing a game here right we gotta be a little silly
1: yeah like fighter does not equal boring and i think that was part of the thesis for that one shot was like you can have like a over the top, like very, very flashy and stylish role playing experience and not include magic.
0: Yeah, so. I think, and I think you definitely show that in the episode. Uh, I'm going to link to it below in the show notes so everyone can go watch awesome. it. Awesome. Thank you. Of course. Uh, so to get into the interview proper, first question, super easy question. Why do you run games?
1: I started to run games because no one else wanted to, uh, which is. I'm sure common. A tale Um, as old as time. Right. That being said, like, I I think there is a part of my brain that is very organization focused, like analytical. And I think having, not to roast myself, but like having the control is helpful. It's
0: honesty. It's self-reflection. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
1: But like being able to have the, have all the spreadsheets in front of me and like know everything and like Mm. be be sort of at the helm of the ship is very fun for me and then i also think uh, i did i do a fair amount of like comedy in chicago and i think the the like running sort of running an improv scene thing feels feels very natural to me and that's very natural to whether you're a player or a gm but i think like being able to do like multiple fun characters in one session is very much up my alley and Uh, I think above it all, like the storytelling of it all and the like getting to pull the story out of multiple of my friends or fellow cast members is very fun. Like sort of setting them up, teeing them up to like have a cool moment or asking them a a follow up question about like what flavor they want to add to a move or like, like why their character is the way it is, I think is a very sort of theater director thing. And, and that's like, so fun. It's so fun to, to like be the sort of curator of the experience for everybody. Sort of a host of a party thing too.
0: Absolutely. So you, you say you do improv in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Have you, how long have you been doing improv for? And how did you start doing uh, TTRPGs prior to improv or after improv?
1: I think I, like, technically like big asterisk i started mm-hmm. doing ttrpgs before mm-hmm. because i was in a sort of short-lived campaign in high school mm-hmm. um but being into it the way that i am now started after i was actually kind of after i was burned out of improv i think ttrpgs kind of like came in to fill the gap mm-hmm. in a way um, and so i mean i've been doing improv I moved to Chicago to do improv to do comedy in twenty fourteen. Nice. Um, oh, so you're a,
0: you're a bit of a vet in the the yeah, Chicago scene. Well,
1: uh, I I'm I'm a vet in that I was here a long time ago, but not in that I've been doing it for mm. a very long time because mm. I I did burn out, as I said. Um, How it
0: goes, you know,
1: went through I O and annoyance and was like on a team and was having a great time, and then like it just stopped being fun. And then uh, COVID happened. So, um, uh, and the improv scene kind of uh, went away in a wisp of smoke uh, mm-hmm. in Chicago in a way. So like, it's only just now starting to be back in a way where like putting on comedy shows is it, it, like, or going to comedy shows even regularly is, is very normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I said, I think TTRBG kind of filled in that gap for me when I was no longer doing improv and no longer getting a whole lot of joy out of it. I got involved in like three different campaigns. Uh, A couple as a player, one as a GM, and then a couple more as a GM, and then a couple more as a GM. And then you just Uh, kind of stuck there. It's how Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, like, I think they do inform each other quite a bit. Like Mm -hmm. having, having an improv background, having a comedy background, being able to share a scene, being able to like find the fun find the like bit you find know the
0: game as exactly they say.
1: <laughs> um and being able to sort of ride the lightning so to speak of a shared storytelling experience is like those these are the only two things that have felt like this to me and they feel exactly the same
0: absolutely
1: uh, and and it's like it almost doesn't feel like two separate things it's like either you're doing it without dice in front of an audience and everyone's wearing flannel shirts or <laughs> you're uh doing it around a table maybe with an audience and it's more gay i guess
0: almost always yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like improv's a pretty cishet white dude yeah uh, coming yeah. from the stand-up scene in new york i deeply understand
1: yeah yeah that is another thing that that has really sort of greased the wheels on the way to being much more of a ttrpg person than an improv person is that like i think the community is with some exceptions a lot more positive a lot less toxic and it's also not competitive in the same way like i mean certainly stand up i I think even more so has a reputation for that and it's the same way in chicago too i i that was one of the things that burnt that burned me out of improv was that like I was shocked and appalled to discover that the improv scene in Chicago was like, was competitive. Like we were competing to be teacher's pets and and like the favorite and to be on a Herald team at IO. And like- Exhausting. Yeah, like I, I, I was always doing it to have fun. I was always doing it to like make people laugh and I was not doing it to get on SNL. <laughs> and and I would say that was the case for all of my friends too. Mm-hmm. And all of us were like, this sucks. And then all of us started playing Dungeons. Let's
0: go play D&D Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, as far as I understand it, I'm I'm sort of like, you know, uh, DM for hire, do the live streams kind of thing for NPC Incorporated. They have a fantastic actual play podcast that's a regular show that I am a sort of guest cast member on, not regular, but knowing all of them very well through comedy. NPC Incorporated absolutely exists because all of us stopped doing improv at the same time you know like uh or or traded a little bit of that joy for uh, a more palpable joy you know absolutely
0: so. i i don't know if you ever read the ucb uh there's a series of books that they have there's an interview that they did once ben schwartz did an interview mm-hmm. where he got the advice once because he was like my improv is terrible like mm-hmm. i am not being funny anymore I, everything's bad and the teacher went so do you do anything outside of improv and he went no and so it's just Oof. improv feeding improv feeding, yeah improv. yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. you gotta have some life experience
0: exactly but then when you go into ttrpgs i feel like that doesn't quite apply because you mm-hmm. can still you can just do ttrpgs all the time and you can play different systems and tell different stories and it will continue to feed itself over and over and over again
1: right right i think there is a i'm 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 like rolling my eyes a little bit at like some of the like improv books that i read when i was just starting out where it's like trying to treat it as like this high art form that's like <laughs> improv for improv sake and i'm like you gotta be kidding yourself like people are eating chicken tenders and drinking rum across in your audience laughing at you calling it art you know um, <laughs> uh and like i i believe in it as like a, a a, a performance style. I am a performer and I'm like, you know, improv is great, but it's also not like the Mona Lisa, you know. Uh and so that being said, I think there's a part of improv that's very much about the performance and very much about like being polished and being like a, a professional in some ways, even if you never get paid for it. On the other side, like a TG RPG kind of demands less of you it it demands well it it demands more of you as like a holistic person maybe but it doesn't demand that you have like I don't know like relevant life experience Mm -hmm. in the same way In, in the same way that like as someone who went to school for theater like acting also like improv has that like well to be a good actor, you have to be like a student of the human condition, in a way, you know. Yeah, which absolutely. I'm really my eyes myself there too. But like an RPG, I think encourages you to like try something, and like it's okay if it fails because like you're not dependent on people laughing. You know, like it doesn't yeah. have to be funny. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be good for you,
0: and then your own joy will transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. That's the secret to good improv, though, is the thing. <laughs> oh my god! You have to I enjoy yourself. I, don't... I know.
1: Uh, on the main topic of the interview, like I, I feel like that is one huge difference between a home game and a uh, and an actual play, and something that I try really hard to like manage expectations about. We we are here to have fun, like, mm-hmm. and and I think it's so easy for the performance to get in the way. On an actual play thing and mm-hmm. Critical Role Dimension Twenty, whatever you watch, like I-, I think there's so much emphasis on like preparation and production value, and like these these people are professional voice actors, <laughs> you know, and like there's there's so much that's like especially for someone who's new to a game or new to actual plays, like they're they're so worried about about looking good, you know. Um, on an actual play stage so like that is one thing that that is you don't tend to have to remind people about in a home game but it is really important i think dming an actual play is like let's all take a breath i i'm gonna make mistakes you're gonna make mistakes it's fine like forget the cameras are there kind of thing
0: easier said than done but absolutely And no i love that and that actually leads me into the next proper question that i have is in the context of an actual play, that is the role of the GM. Like, what do you think is the role of the GM? Is it just to, like, make sure and facilitate this space? Or is it to be a good scene partner? Is it to be a storyteller guiding everyone? Is it to be reactive? Where do you fall in the lines of the role of the game master in an actual play versus a home game?
1: I think the actual play scenario is much more... Is, is much more sort of MC and maybe a little bit more like directive than a home game would be. Just so that you are setting everyone else up to look good. You know, like I, I, I am much more conscious of being a good scene partner as a GM when I'm doing an actual play. Mostly again, because I want the like performers to feel comfortable. Because when they feel comfortable, it'll be a good show, kind of thing.
0: What What does that mean to you, being a good scene partner as a GM during an actual play?
1: I think like you know, asking open-ended questions, like letting someone like or or sort of reminding someone to use their imagination a little bit, like encouraging someone to to not just stop at one sentence when they're describing something or or whatever. Where I feel like I'm much more florid, or I sort of let myself be a little bit more. I I guess I let myself hog the spotlight a little bit more in a home game just because I'm confident that we'll all work out the scene sharing amongst ourselves over time. Mm. Um, maybe it's also because I've almost exclusively DM'd one shots and two shots too, is that like, I, I don't necessarily have the experience of doing an actual play over a long period of time. So I don't have that reassurance that it'll all come out in the wash. Mm. So I'm like, I'm much more cognizant of, Like we have one shot at this and it's my job to give you things to react to, give you things to describe, give you things to laugh at or cry at or whatever as a performer so that you look good without thinking about it. I love to be a like a dumb character that all the characters can clown on, or I love, you know, being evil in a way that's like transparent and stupid so that like, the characters can can feel clever, you know? Like uh I I think I'm much more cognizant of like throwing softballs a little bit. Not not in terms of mechanics or anything, but in terms of like easy or more immediately lower hanging fruit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or or more like reactable scenario situations scenarios um, yeah
0: like like making it a little more explosive than it might be yeah
1: yeah I, I i am turning up the juice a little bit you know uh it's it's like a little bit more heightened probably but it's also more like i, I probably like talk less uh mm. in in a um in an actual play i guess i guess is what i'm getting down to is i i try to like leave scene space very literally in terms of like words per minute um That was something
0: that I very much noticed in the episode is that you gave a lot of space for your players to kind of like Mm -hmm. explore and be the center of attention. One thing that I noticed that was really interesting was there was a big chunk of combat in Mm -hmm. that one shot. How do you, in preparing for a one shot on stream versus uh, at home, Mm -hmm. how do you keep that pacing going both in role play and like directing your players to keep the pacing moving? And in combat, when like combat can definitely slog on sometimes.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, I encourage no one to check the receipts on this because I know that that combat went on for a very long time in that particular <laughs> show. But like, I do, I do try to like sort of keep my eye on the clock, mm-hmm. a, a, in a way that I never do in a home game. During combat, I'm like, okay, if I'm keeping true to myself and I'm doing a good job in a one shot that is not going to be a two shot, I'm going to try to keep it to like, you know, 50% or less of, of the mm-hmm. thing. I mean, that's, that is a, I feel like that's even a low bar, you know, mm-hmm. like I would, I would prefer to be way less than that. You know, I'd prefer mm-hmm. it to be 30 or even 25 in an ideal world, but I feel like I'm, I'm like getting there, you know? Mm-hmm. I also think over time I've become more confident in, in just throwing away rules that make combat go longer. So that's that's part of it, it's like, in an actual play, if, it, if combat, if like the scent gets in the room that like it's going too long, if like anyone seems bored of the performers or any of that, like we're collapsing initiative order. Like we're making mm-hmm. all the monsters one on one turn. Like we're, uh, I'm, I'm like making sort of tweaks behind the scenes to like toss all the, all the cruft of fifth edition combat if that's what we're doing
0: so, could you be a little specific there about what what things you you mentioned, like collapsing initiative order? Do yeah. you do you even like this might be a contentious point for people, but do you fudge roles to meet the narrative? Gasp! Um, mm-hmm. I I
1: I will go on record as saying that I have fudged roles.
0: There it is. I love um, that.
1: I, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's right mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to to lie in that scenario, mm-hmm. and I also think like. If you play tabletop RPGs for your entire life and you've never fudged a roll, then like come on. You're lying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I will say I don't fudge rolls as much as I don't necessarily have a DC always mm-hmm. before the results of the players rolls. Which a is great point. like a maybe seems like a backwards way to do it, but like I I will and and I guess it's not like I'm pretending that I do have one and I you know, and making it up afterwards, but I'm like, yeah, roll for it. And then sort of just like, and and this is a very actual play thing, like based on just like what the temperature at the table is based on the reaction to the roll, then I will determine where we go. You know what I mean? Like the dice for me in that sense feel much more like a a release valve or something. Like it, Mm. it, it feels like it's a regulator on the flow of the story. Maybe even also like a, an indicator or 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 like a tool to be able to tell how everyone is feeling you're going to get the biggest reactions to dice rolls not things you say as a dm that's my experience like as as spooky and scary as i try to be being a big vampire or something and being predatory and like sneaky and popping up where they're not expecting it and doing way more damage than they're expecting they're always going to go like oh when you do a lot of damage, but they'll go like, "Oh shit!" When like a roll goes badly for them, and they are not expecting what's going to happen. So like, if they roll a, you know, one through five, I don't have anywhere close to this this mapped out in my brain, so I'm just mm-hmm. spitting this out. But like, if they roll a one through five, and and everyone is like, "Oh no," you know, like, it, and everyone's like on the edge of their seats. I might be more likely to make that an actually bad consequence versus if they're like rolling a one and then they get really quiet, you know? And, and it's like, oh no, this really cool thing that I had planned to do isn't going to go over so well. And mm. then, then I'll like, rather than having it play by the rules of fifth edition, I guess, for a DC, I'll be like, okay, let's sort of try to root the room and be, maybe give a, an option, sort of in a um, indie RPG vibe where like, you know, okay, so if you want, you can turn the success into a a trade-off, you know, and I'll I'll sort of bargain a lot with people at the table to sort of let the story flow where they want it to.
0: Would you say during a home game that you play more by the rules than you do during an actual play?
1: Um, Yes. I don't know whether that's like 100% conscious, mm-hmm. but I think an actual play feels much more like an improv show mm-hmm. than, than a home game does. Like it, it feels much more like we are all performing together on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all like castmates uh, in a way. And so I'm just like, I am more allowing it to to follow the fun mm-hmm maybe versus a home game where i may have more personal stake in how like the the world goes you know or or what have you so i I think i'm as much as i have just talked about you know being woo woo with the rules Mm -hmm. i i also love like crunchy game like i love mechanics and i love the way the systems interact and all that stuff so like i think maybe i i like in a self-indulgent way, sort of let myself nerd out about that more when I'm doing a home game.
0: Good, yeah, because it's for you when you're at right, a home exactly, game, as it, opposed to for the audience first. Yeah, game.
1: yeah. So I feel like I'm I'm harnessing some skills for an actual play that I don't have to for a home game, uh, mm-hmm. or I don't feel I don't feel maybe the pressure to. And I, who knows whether that's good or bad, but but that's I, that that's sort of where I feel like I land on it.
0: Yeah, I don't think it really needs a value judgment per se. I think it's just kind of your style. I think it makes a lot of sense. And in terms of that, that preparation and that sort of collaboration, when you're, home, when you're DMing a home game, that world is very much yours. Like you've created it and you're presenting it to your players. In an actual play, like when you're doing a session zero for an actual play versus a home game, is there more of a collaborative element of world building with the characters? Or, is it, or what, what is the difference between the two?
1: I mean from a purely practical standpoint i would say that the home game actually ends up being more collaborative because Mm -hmm. session zero often ends up being in person whereas Mm -hmm. in an actual play scenario in almost all the situations i've done it like we're sharing information over email because it's hard to schedule people for this thing that everyone is performing in and whatever it feels much more like a a professional thing you know like it it feels it has this I, I think people are more willing to devote time to a home game. So I feel like having an actual session zero that is like in person and around a table and we're chatting and we're having snacks and whatever is, is much more uh, likely than, mm. than having that for an actual play in my experience. Now, that being said, would love to have more <laughs> actual plays with, with actual session zeros like a dress rehearsal would be amazing. You know, but, but again, like, obviously that's not going to work out every time. And I feel like it ends up being, it, I, I guess it ends up being more by the seat of one's pants mm. a little bit, which is uh, sort of going into, going into talking about this. I was not expecting for that to be my opinion because, <laughs> because I, I feel like, well, I feel like I'm sort of a by the seat of my pants DM and in, in every situation anyway, but I sort of would like to be able to say that I prefer more for the actual mm-hmm. play stuff. But in a way, I feel like that might, it might just not line up that way, you know? Uh,
0: but that's also exactly why I wanted to do this series and talk to as many people as I'm doing, because their actual play, there's such a range of actual plays, from, like, the high production value critical roles to, mm-hmm. like, the we're all getting together in our free time because we're comedians and we want to play a game and make something together. Like, right, right. there's so much range there, and mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense for you to feel this kind of need to like, all right, we have to crunch it down and I trust these people as performers to be able to mm-hmm. interact with this world. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's totally it. Yeah, like, I feel like it's, you're you're producing like a seed uh, mm-hmm. for something that everyone can kind of glom onto and make something fun out of versus like, I, I think a home game is like by definition going to be like a lot more precious, you know? Like it's going to be, everyone has like a character that they are, are maybe a little bit more emotionally attached to, or like, I mean, you know, obviously that can be true of an actual play too, but like, especially if you're doing a homebrew setting and you're playing for a real long time together and all that stuff like that, that is obviously gonna end up having more preparation in that like, everyone's just sort of more invested in it or more, Mm maybe a little bit more vulnerable or maybe a little bit allowing themselves to spend the time to to sort of sink into it.
0: Yeah. I think that vulnerability is a really interesting point to be talking about because like Mm -hmm. doing this in front of other people, this is an inherently vulnerable medium. Like you are showing parts of yourself in these characters that you maybe wouldn't let yourself, yourself show like as yourself. And I think that's really something very powerful about this medium kind of wrapping up this conversation, bringing us to the end, I want to ask if you have any pieces of advice for people who want to become DMs or want to move from being DMs and moving into the actual play space.
1: Biggest thing, I, I think this is sort of a cop out, but like make friends, you know, like, uh, be, be friendly, be kind, be nice. Uh, like I, that that has served me very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a lot of friends in a lot of different contexts who I play role-playing games with. And I think when when you are like genuinely a good person to work with and a good person to hang out with and stuff, like people will want you to GM for them. Uh, and I think, especially if, you know, you're bringing more of yourself to the table and you're being like emotionally honest with people and like, you know, being vulnerable with people, et cetera, I think you're much more likely to endear yourself in a way that will get you asked to do those things. You know, that's not to say that that should be like an ulterior motive kind of thing. <laughs> like, please no, don't be fake about it. But yeah, don't like,
0: social climb. Don't do all that stuff. Yeah. Like. Clout
1: sucks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, if it listen, if I've learned one thing from my month and a half on blue sky dot social, it's that cloud sucks, um, and that's my hot take. That's my hottest, like stand-up joke for the evening.
0: I love that. I think it's true. I think you are right.
1: Thank you. Uh, you know what, though, I met you through Blue Sky, so Here that's awesome. Is.
0: And it's the genuine kindness. I think exactly. that's it. Really, it's the authenticity. Yeah.
1: And uh, and I think like that's that's really the biggest thing. And I think also, I think also just being being afraid, not being afraid to like submit yourself for things you know like uh not being afraid to say like i would like to do this like i would like to gm for the group i think everyone has a a sense that everyone else would be a better gm than them and i i I don't think i've really ever had i'm very lucky in this in that i don't think i've ever had a very bad gm Mm -hmm. but also that's because i have almost exclusively played With people that i was good friends with beforehand so like if you are playing with your friends and you're nice it's hard to be really bad at it and then i think also that as you get excited about it like it's fairly easy when you are making friends in the community and whatever to find someone who has like a mic setup to find someone who can like supply the space uh and all that stuff even if you don't have it yourself the, the greatest resource that everyone has is, is like themselves to give, you know? If you put more of that out in the world, then I think it'll come back your way.
0: That was really beautiful. Thank you for that. I really Thank appreciate you. it. I could honestly keep talking to you for hours. This, like it just flowed really great. It was wonderful. Thank you. I am so, I feel so the same glad. way. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you were here. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Where What are you doing next? Anything you want to plug?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, if you are in the Chicago area, um, the NPC Incorporated folks are putting together a Dungeons and Dragons live show called thirst for adventure. It's going to be at Lincoln lodge in Chicago on September 12th. Um, we have an event, right? We have all those things. It's at thirst for adventure on most things. Um, um at thirst for adventure comedy on Instagram. Cause someone already took it. Some, some like hiking blog. Ugh. Um, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Um, but, uh, that is the biggest thing i definitely want to plug um there is uh going to be so much fun we have a lot of comedian friends who are going to come and guests with us um it's every we have sort of the first show lined up but the idea is every new uh show is a different dnd adventure uh it's all people who don't necessarily always play ttrpgs it's sort of abbreviated fifth edition rules. it's very easy to understand we're gonna have like character cards on the table so the audience can follow along amazing um, and there's also going to be a drinking game involved uh uh for if you would like to partake you know there's there w- will be na options as well but like <laughs> um we're encouraging folks to like you know take a sip if they roll in at 20 or whatever so um beautiful um it, it'll be a lot of fun myself i'm at eric e-r-i-k moreover um like the very pedantic word um uh eric moreover on pretty much everything um uh and i think that about does it um yeah uh thirst for adventure eric moreover that's right, find me
0: amazing thank you so much for joining me eric this has been so great
1: yeah absolutely
0: thanks so much see you all next time
1: bye